We've talked about the three greatest gifts over the last uh, two weeks. We've talked about faith and hope. And today we're going to be talking about the last and the greatest, which is love. First John chapter four, verse eight says like this. It says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Have you ever met an unloving person? Not, not just a mean or a rude person, but like a person that you thought there was no love anywhere, <laughs> right? It says in 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And we've said this before, but it's really important for us to always be reminded that this is not just an activity or an action that God does. It is an attribute of who he is. It truly is. He's the only one who can be defined by this word love. So he doesn't just have it, but he is it. The first thing I want to tell you today in this Christmas message is that we are to love God. That's first and foremost in all of our lives. When you think about your priority list and the things and the way to keep them in order, the Bible is very clear from the beginning to the very end that the first and the most important on our list in every area, in every aspect, should be God. So we're to love God. It says this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 to 38. They came to Jesus and they said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And verse 37, it says, he replied, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. There's something really interesting here. You'll see quotation marks in regardless of the version of the Bible that you read. Jesus was a man who knew the word of God. I, I know this is simple, but it's practical for you to understand that Jesus was a student of God's word. He knew God's word from the beginning. And he's actually quoting a passage of scripture that I can guarantee he had heard, read himself all throughout his life up until this point coming from Deuteronomy. In fact, it's a direct quote from Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. And with all your mind. Verse 38 says this. This is the great and first commandment. In other words, commandments will be a challenge to you. Have you ever been tempted to break a commandment? Raise your hand. Have you ever broken a commandment? Raise your hand. We all have broken a commandment, right? But Jesus is putting it in the right priority here for us. He's saying, if you get this down, the other stuff comes easier because you've put it in the right order. This is the great and first commandment. We are to love God. The second thing we're to do is we're to love others. Verse 39 of that same chapter says, and a second is like this. So Jesus said, well, that's not just it. That's the greatest and the first, but here's one more thing. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets, or essentially everything hinges on these two things. If you notice something here, there is no commandment for you to love yourself because you've already got that down. You got that down too much, probably, and you don't have 
this enough. And I'm telling you that because I'm the same way. We're all in the same boat together. If I loved my neighbor like I loved myself, like 100% of the time instead of 1% of the time, if, if I just loved them 25% of the time as much as I love myself, I really and truly believe that the world would be different for each and every one of us. So when people get hung up on all the rules and regulations of Christianity and do's and don'ts and you should and you shouldn't, but really what it comes down to, when Jesus was pushed into a corner, he says, love God and love others like you love yourself. So the greatest gift being love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which has been our focus verse, verse 13, um, in that chapter though, the word love appears nine times. That's a lot, talking all about love. And we've said how it's, it's uh, spoken at weddings and things like that. But here's the verse, it says in verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide. Essentially, these things are eternal. But the greatest of these is love. In 1 John chapter 4, the writer, the author of 1 John is the disciple, and he actually uses the word love 21 times in a single chapter. I want to tell you that love is not just an emotional feeling. I'm skipping through some of my notes, so I might repeat myself, but it's important for you to understand that love is a choice. It's not just an emotion. I didn't just fall in love with my wife. I chose my wife. She still chooses me. I've gained weight. I've lost hair. I've gained gray hair. She still chooses to love me. She can choose not to love me. Please don't. But the truth of the matter is, is love is a choice that we make, right? And we've got to understand it in that context. So in 1 John chapter 4, we're going to read a little portion in just a moment. But I want to tell you about who this John is. This John who writes 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Revelation, as well as the Gospel of John. This guy is not John the Baptist. It is John the disciple, 1st of John the Baptist. He hung out with John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist goes to uh, be essentially martyred for his faith, he then joins Jesus. Jesus calls him to his team. John has a very special relationship with Jesus. And in fact, the only gospel, the gospel of John, that mentions that it says that it's an eyewitness account is that of John's. John says, I have seen these things that I'm writing down to you, and I'm telling you, this is what I saw. Then we see in Revelation that as he's exiled to this island called Patmos, he's there, he's under penalty of the law for preaching the gospel. They send him there. As he's there, it's a really wild ride, and God reveals to him some things that are happening then in that current time as well as will happen in the future. But a new ruler comes into place, And lets him out of exile. It's said by historians that he then retires, if you will, to the city of Ephesus. You'll be familiar with that because there's a book in the Bible called Ephesians. It was the church of Ephesus that he made his retirement village, if you will, his, his home. So, that that kind of gives you a picture of who John is. In fact, he calls himself the disciple Jesus loved. 
Nobody else says that about themselves. And I think that's really interesting that he was always focusing on love. In fact, he's the one who records the conversation at the Last Supper, and I referenced it during communion just a moment ago. But in John chapter 13, John writes the words that he heard Jesus speak while washing the disciples' feet. And it says this in verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. So there's this two-pronged approach or these two different paths that uh, go at the same time, the same rate, in the same direction. Jesus says you're supposed to love others the way that you love yourself, but you're also supposed to love others the way that I have loved you. Now that's a more powerful statement because his love is selfless. It was sacrificial. Sometimes it's not returned. He says this, verse 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another or for one another. So the one another that he speaks of there is definitely within the body of Christ. But then it it goes and radiates out of that to the others who are our neighbors and those in our world, in our workplaces, and all of those things. Culture's message is love yourself. You can hear all about that. Love yourself, nothing else matters. But really, at the end of the day, it leaves us empty. And not only that, it results in selfishness. That's why people do the things that they do. They, they continue to just uh, self-implode, if you will, uh, in loving themselves and being concerned for themselves. So much so that they're not courteous to others. They're not kind to others. They're not loving to others. Listen to what First John chapter 4, verse 7 through 11 says. John writes and he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest. It was made real to us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10 says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation or the full payment for our sins. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's such a challenge during the Christmas season because we think to ourselves, well, surely we, we love the people we give gifts to, right? The whole world is filled with love in this moment. But are we truly loving one another the way that God has commanded us to love not just God first, but then secondarily loving others the way that we love ourselves and the way that God has loved us? Jump down to verse 14. It says this, and we have seen And we testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives or abides in Him, and He in God. Verse 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. 
I love what verse 19 says when it says that we love because he first loved us. Without his love having drawn us in, we would be nothing and nowhere. We love because he first loved us. There's another passage of scripture. I'd encourage you to to look it up and to find it this week and maybe dwell on it a moment. But Jesus' words are essentially this. How easy is it to love those who love you back? That's pretty simple. I mean, you love me. You gave me a gift. I love you. I give you a gift. We're all one big happy family. All you need is love. No, No. listen. It's really easy. You liked that reference, didn't you? I knew it. We have a VIP here today. Let me say just for one second. His name is John. This is my my buddy, John. Um, He's visiting from Pensacola. I've known him for nine years. He was the mysterious guy up here, the mystery man on the drums today. Um, He and his family attended my parents' church in New Jersey, and we've kept in contact, and we are close friends, and he's celebrating Christmas with us uh, because we're closer than his family uh, geographically, and so we're glad that he's here, but he loves the Beatles and some other kind of music. So uh, all you need is love. That was a reference for him. Okay, so is that who wrote it? All you need is love. Okay, great. All right, I just wanted to make sure. He looks at me with disdain. But we love because he loved us first. My wife said this recently, uh, a couple weeks ago, the, the verse of scripture about in the, in the prophets where it says, he didn't pick you because you were great. He didn't pick you because you were awesome and wonderful at all you did. He didn't pick you because you were big and strong. And that's referencing the Israelite people in those days. But the same is true today. There's nothing in you that's worthy of him loving you. But he chose to love. And that challenge is for, even if it's not for you today, it's for me to love those that are harder to love. Because it's easy to love those who love you back. It's hard to love those who resist your love. We've got to understand this, that love is a choice. It's just like the gifts of faith and hope that we spoke about the last two weeks. It's no different than those. Those are choices as well. We've got to choose to believe. We've got to choose to have faith. It's not just some ethereal sort of uh, feeling that we grab a hold of and then it passes us momentarily and comes and goes. It is a choice. You've also got to choose hope. Why would you need hope unless you're facing something that's hopeless? <laughs> right? Why would, you be, why would you be in need of that unless you were in despair? We have to choose hope. It is a choice. And the same thing is true of love. It's no different. Love is a choice. So choose to love. And don't believe the hype that comes from Hollywood. Because they would have you be misled and misguided about what it looks like to love someone. Here's, here's something else. Not only is it a choice, but it's a command. So why command something that comes naturally? Right? <laughs> There's a lot that comes naturally. Uh, love is a command, though, because we don't do it as well as we should as often as we should, how we should. So he saw fit to command us to love him first and then to love others. That's a commandment, I guess I could say, with some 
clarity, we've all broken. That we've broken this commandment to love. So it is a, a command. He commands us to love. It's not commanding us to do something that we have no control over. He knows that he made us with the ability to choose love. In Matthew 22, he commands us to love him and to love others. But again, like I said a moment ago, he does not command you to love you because you got that down. So start practicing loving others the way that he wants you to. The next thing that we need to know is that love is active or it's an action. So it's not, it, we're, we're far beyond a feeling and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about it being something that's a choice and a command. And it is also an action. Look at what 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says. It says this, I love this, especially at this time of year. It's a wonderful verse of scripture, two verses to look at. In this, the love of God was made real or manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. God sent his only begotten son. There was no plan B. This had to work. Jesus had to choose to love those who spit in his face, pulled his beard out, ripped his clothes, stabbed him with a spear. Those who tried to stone him, chased him out of towns. Jesus chose to love them. So it says in verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the full payment for our sins. So this greatest gift of Christmas truly is love. I want the worship team to join me. We do this at the end of every one of our services. We have them come and join us for an encore song of worship. I want you to think about the idea of scriptural, biblical love and what that looks like. What God is saying in his word is that we are to choose love and love him first. Now, it may come easy during the Christmas season to love God because we're focused on baby Jesus in a manger. We're talking about it with friends and neighbors and coworkers. It's easy to demonstrate love when you're staying up late and making some cookies or making something to give to friends and relatives. When January comes around, it's a challenge to keep up that same momentum, to continue focusing on that greatest gift of love. I want to say something to you today that I think is really important for us as a church to hold on to. It's something that I tell my kids. It's something that's absolutely biblical. It's something that you could write on your mirror, put it on your fridge. It's something that you should let sink deep into your heart today. And it's this. You can't do anything in this world to make God love you less. As believers, sometimes we're tempted to try to serve and do stuff to make God love us more. But we've got to understand that doesn't work like that. God's love is expansive. It's, it, it's comprehensive. It covers the whole earth. It's covered every sin. It can cover every sin. So we can't do anything to make him love us less. We can't do anything to make him love us more. God will never love you more than he loves you right now. 
That's pretty incredible when you think about it. And tomorrow when you have a bad thought about that person that cut you off or that coworker that mistreats you or you missed out on the promotion and you know somebody did something bad against you, in that moment, you've got to understand that bad thought or that action that you take, that bad word, that anger, whatever it is, in that moment of sin and falling into temptation, God doesn't love you any less. He loves you because he is love. His nature's undeniable. He doesn't change. He's not like the, the teenager who then buys different clothes to hang out with the new kids that have the different kind of clothes. He, he doesn't change like that. In fact, Hebrews says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means to me that God has always been love. He's love right now in the moment that you face, the trial that you have, the, the issue at hand. And he'll be loved tomorrow. Not just loving, but true love. Nowhere is his action or his active love more evident than in this story, the Christmas story of him giving his only begotten son to be the full payment for your sins. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You can't do anything to earn it. He did it all of his own power and his own self-will. And he's not going to change his mind. I wrap it up by saying this though. While we focused on the understanding that God is love and that he commands us to love him first and then love others, the last and maybe the, the most important action step is for us to know that love is meant to be shared. It's meant to be shared. How can you share it? Sure, you can share it with a gift card. Somebody gave me a Starbucks gift card last week. I used it all this week. It was awesome. I was really caffeinated this week. I loved it. It was amazing. Uh, I got a Christmas card. My wife and I have been so blessed this Christmas season. If you're the guilty party in this room, thank you. From the bottom of our hearts, we've gotten two mystery cards that didn't have a return address and had hundreds of dollars worth of gift cards in them. You are loving each other the way that God wants you to but we can never stop. We've got to increase. And the only way we can increase is to share it more and more with others. And I say that because we're talking about gifts and finances at, at Christmas, and that means a lot to people. But the truest love or the truest gift of love that we could give is sharing Jesus Christ with someone else. Telling them that this isn't just some made up mythological story. But it's a historical fact that God, in his goodness, in all the grace of heaven, wrapped himself in human form to come and live on this dirty earth with us as dirty as we are, 
and he still chooses to love us. So share that. Make it a point during your Christmas celebrations to bring God up, not just in a, hey, let's bless the food and eat this turkey, but in a way that really would be meaningful. Talk about what God's blessed you with this year. We have a tradition which in our family, we take a little time and we write a note to ourselves and we put it in our stocking. And then we open that note the next year to see. And it's got prayers written in it and some other things. It's got details about the year and we laugh about some of those memories. But in that moment, we always, always point ourselves to Christ and say, God, we're so thankful for all that you've done. Would you stand with me and don't let me be the only one today who's thankful. If you're comfortable with it, I don't know if you're... Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic background lets you do this, but if you're comfortable with it, would you just open your hands like in a receiving posture? Lord, we're so thankful for the love that you've shown to us. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We've betrayed it, but God, you still choose to love us. So God, let us honor you with our lives, not just in the next three days, but in the next year, in the next conversation we have with the the person that we really don't get along with. Help us to demonstrate your love to others. God, I thank you for the love that you showed to us that truly has changed history, but it's changed my history. Lord, I thank you for the believers in this room today. And I pray a prayer over them that as we sing this last song, we would truly just open ourselves up to your love. Lord, that we would be filled with your love and that we would share your love, that we would commit ourselves today to share your love with others. In Jesus' name I pray.